Good afternoon, everyone. It's Robert Asensio. I'm here with uh, a friend, a person that's running for office, uh, Tanya Cruz Jimenez, but a little bit about her. Okay. So we're going to talk about not just why she's running for office today, give you a little insight into who is this candidate? Who is this person that's sitting to my right of me? Right. Uh, mother, mother of two, two daughters, uh, wife, also known, get it out of the way. Uh, daughter-in-law of the United States representative, uh, former county mayor, Carlos Jimenez. Uh, but this is really more about you. So let's, let's concentrate on you. Okay, please. <laughs> All right. So, but, but I have to, I have to stop here for a second and say, must be some interesting conversations in your family. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so you're from New Jersey, mm-hmm. Cuban American from New Jersey. Spent a little time in, in uh, New York, mm-hmm. hanging out in New York, the village. I know it a little well because as a child, I used to live there. Um, then you went on to Hawaii. Yes. I had to move to Hawaii and you got your law degree from law in Hawaii. I want to talk about that. But uh, so tell, tell the audience something that you have not told everyone else that you interviewed with here on this show. <laughs> something I haven't told everyone else? Yeah. Hmm. Your secrets. <laughs> well, why, why don't you give me a hint somewhere? Well, tell us, tell us, um, you know, about a little bit about you. What motivated you to run for office? Right, that's a jump from attorney. Although there are a lot of attorneys in elected office, seems like the majority of the elected yes. are attorneys. But what what motivated you to go from an attorney? Sixteen years, right? Sixteen practicing, years, yes. Practicing law, fourteen years in the city of Coral Gables, city beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but what inspired you? It was uh, what was going on in Miracle Mile. I, I, I love that area. Um, I know a lot of the business owners. I knew a lot of the people that work there. I would frequent a lot of the restaurants and the shops. In fact, it's part of the reason why I moved to Coral Gables. I live within blocks of Miracle Mile. And so I had kind of that suburban feel, the tree-lined streets. But within walking distance, I had shops. I had restaurants. I had galleries. I had theater. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted that type of life. And um, when the streetscaping project started pre-COVID, you know, I was excited about it because there were going to be bigger sidewalks and I'd be able to eat outside, which is something that I enjoy even in the middle of summer. Um, That winds up taking uh, two years and $25 million instead of one year and $12 million. And and in the process, it puts a lot of these restaurants out of business, including Tarpon Bend, for example, which, you know, during that time, they lost a lot of business. And then the moment everything is open, they tried to jack up their rents. And then at that point, they had to leave. Um, But now in comes the pandemic. And those businesses that were teetering that had barely made it now were closed. And what I saw was that there was no real plan, no strategic plan to revitalize Miracle Mile. And so right now we're talking about zoning changes. But again, it's something that was being looked at in 2018, pre-COVID. And what my position, and I think it's the position of a lot of residents, is that we need to have a long-term strategic plan. We cannot have another debacle like we did in the past where we take two years, $25 million, you bring in all these new businesses to come in only to take them out again. And it impacts everything, not only our quality of life, but it impacts our tax base. It, in, it impacts our services. And so that was really, for me, the last straw and really what motivated me. But you're not a newcomer to politics, no, right? No. Uh, you worked on other campaigns, mm-hmm. worked with some heavyweights in the county, uh, people I know. Uh, some people I admire, others I question. But, <laughs> but nevertheless, you know, you, you, you're not a newbie. 
No. Um, so, so I guess what you're running on is for better government. I am running for better government. One of the things I think also that's happened over the course of the past few years and this year in particular is that because of the the pandemic, a lot of these meetings were being held via Zoom and a lot of, yes, you were able to opine and maybe it made it easier for some people to appear by Zoom. But in many, in many ways, I think a lot of the decisions were made uh, under closed doors. And so right now, and this is something that I'm hearing across the board and not just in Coral Gables, but everywhere, I think that the people do not feel that their electeds are listening to them. And, and I hear it from everyone, Democrat, Republican, rich, poor, and everyone is upset. Mm -hmm. And so we need elected officials who are going to have their finger on the pulse of the people who care about the people and who are going to listen to the people. It so doesn't you have mean that, that on your website, you have that on your website, yes. right? And, and I was going to ask you about that. Mm -hmm. Why do you say that? I mean, you've already gone into it, but you know, look, it's, it's no secret. We see what's going on in Washington, right? Uh, certainly last week, they take the siege on the Capitol mm -hmm. and there are two sides of that story, right? Absolutely. And for me as a patriot, as a person who served in military person who served in government, majority of my life, last couple of years in, in public office, um, I take great offense to taking over the Capitol, right? There's a, there's a process, democracy. Absolutely. But, but having said that, my opinions aside, I think if we looked in the camera and we spoke to the audience and we asked them, how do they feel about the elected officials? You're going to get some bad comments. Absolutely. What do you tell them? And again, on both sides, as I've been canvassing and as I've been talking to numerous different people, Everyone is upset. It doesn't matter which side that you fall on. Everyone is upset with the elected officials. Everyone believes that they are not being heard. And so this is what happens. Everything has been boiling over. And the Capitol, the assault on the Capitol, I think is an example of where we are as a nation. And these are issues that we need to face. And the more I go out there and the more I talk to people, the more I realize that we're not speaking to each other. So beyond the fact that the politicians aren't listening, as a community, we have now become completely polarized based on national politics. Why do you think they're not listening, Tanya? Why do I think the politicians are not yeah. listening? Um, because they've been able to get away with it in the past and they've been able to um, live on talking points and manipulation. And right now the people are seeing that, look, they don't know if they can pay their rent, their mortgage. Are they going to have a house? Can they feed their families? Images, people have been locked up for over a year. And this is what I really realized. And particularly when you start talking about people 65 and over, again, mm -hmm. regardless of whether they're Democrat or Republican, they have been locked up in their house for a year. And with only images, images of death and destruction, okay, whether it's people dying from the pandemic, whether it's a riot, whether it's something burning, whether it's the Capitol. And all of these things have really traumatized, mm -hmm. I would say, people. And so when I go to those doors, they are upset. They are upset at everything that is happening. And at the same time, they're not talking to each other. So I'm talking to people who are telling me, wow, we've known each other. We've known our neighbors for 40, 50 years. We used to have block parties. We used to be friends. And now we don't even talk to each other. And what I see is that they're communicating vis-a-vis -vis, uh, flags and, and political signs. So if somebody puts in uh, a Biden flag or a Biden sign, then the other person will put in a bigger Trump flag or a bigger Trump sign or vice versa. And so what I'm saying to people is, look, 
we have to put this aside and we have to agree that we're never going to agree on these issues. But if we do not talk to each other, then all of these real issues that are facing our community, which really have nothing to do with our national politics, we're not going to be able to face them. And so these politicians then are going to do whatever they want and we're going to find out about it years later. And so we need to be informed and we need to be involved. So if you were speaking or are speaking to your constituent base right now, mm -hmm. Why should they vote for you? What makes you any different? Because I am really going to listen. I know everyone says that, but as I've been talking to the people, I am there. If I disagree with you, by the way, I will tell you, I will do what politicians aren't supposed to do. They're supposed to tell you, yes, I agree, I agree. No, if I disagree, I'm gonna tell you. But I think that we need to have these, these discussions. I think we need to have debates. With me, you have somebody that is honest and what you see is what you get. If I believe in something, I will tell you. If I don't, I will tell you. And I will always give you a fair shake. So what are the issues that people, the citizens of Coral Gables, your constituents, future constituents, are telling you that are most important to them? Well, right now, I think the key issue is the issue of preserving the character of Coral Gables. And that means the individual residential neighborhoods, but that also means the revitalization plan on Miracle Mile, not to bring in high rises. And that's another issue. Everyone asks me, are you for the high rises? No, I'm not for the high rises. But that it cross uh, cuts across party lines. Beyond that, then, I would say the cut through traffic. There are very specific streets where I was canvassing, and it is horrific. Milan, Obispo, uh, Venetia. And I thought the cut, cut through traffic was really bad um, on my street on Menorca. But in fact, wow, once I went over there, it is dangerous, and there's very little illumination. And so many of the residents have told me that they've been promised for years some sort of a traffic calming measure. They do have, let's say, a traffic circle, but it's not doing anything. And so right now it's really listening to the people and then very specific areas. What issues do you have? Uh, clean water, the septic tank issue. That's another that's issue. Big. That's a huge that's issue. Costly. And so, again, I... I've spent my my time here in the North Gables, but as I move into other areas, I want to talk to those specific residents from those areas. Is there something that I'm missing? Is there another issue that impacts your area in the Gables that doesn't impact me in the North Gables? You know, what's interesting is that uh, I live in West State. Mm -hmm. I live west of FIU. And when I was walking through the community or whenever I spent time in the community, you know, people ask me, what defines West State? And I ask them, can you elaborate on that? And they, and they always go to Coral Gables. If you think of Coral Gables, what's the landmark of Coral Gables? The Biltmore? Yeah. The Biltmore, the Gateway, the, the entrance. The Water Tower. Yes, yes. However, other parts of the county don't have that. Mm -hmm. And so Gables is such a unique uh, part of our community. The tax base is, is, is great for the county, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and yet... I'm sure the COVID has hit. You mentioned about the businesses that mm -hmm. it, that it shut down. I the other day I was driving through Miracle Mile and I saw that hurt me. John Martin's. John Martin's gone. God, that's a staple. Mm -hmm. So, what are your plans for economic development in the city? Uh, what's your vision for your seat? What are you going to do for the citizens? Well. Starting with this, I want to have a plan, and I'm not telling you that I have the exact plan right now. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm talking to the that's community. Smart. That is smart. I am talking to the community. But the thing that I do know is that we don't have a strategic plan. And so let's start with that. And one that 
includes everyone, all of the stakeholders, and not just developers, not just business owners, but the residents, because the residents do have a lot to say. And one thing that I found is that they are extremely, extremely well informed. This is not the typical electorate. When I go door to door, they know what the issues are. They're following them and they have their opinions. And again, they're upset because they're not being asked what their opinions are. So there was a, a meeting, a sunshine meeting on Thursday. Okay. And in that meeting, uh, pretty much none of the elected officials spoke. They were there, but they were just listening to the public's concerns. And I believe there was over 250 people there listening, many whom opined um, either directly through public comments or, or via question. And um, at the beginning, Peter Iglesias gave a presentation, but beyond that, it was us. And you see that people want to have a say in what is happening and in the future of their community. And and they're irate, many of them, that a lot of these things, and, and supposedly there were 25 public meetings, and yes, they were sufficiently legally noticed. But, you know, in the midst of all of these things, how many people are going to newspapers to check if there's yeah. a public notice on a meeting? And I think that's part of the reason why a lot of people lose trust in government, right? You have the people that, the citizens, that they want to know more, they want to participate, but simply having a schedule or scheduling a meeting, a community meeting on a community issue at eight o'clock on a Thursday or Friday or weekday doesn't work for a lot of people at work, right? No. And then having these meetings and announcing them in a, in a newspaper, great newspaper, but you're not connecting the, with the people, you're not notifying them. Well, and beyond that, when you're noticing it, again, legally sufficient, uh -huh. but you're you're noticing it in technical language. So the average person, okay, we're going to discuss rezoning. What does that mean to them? They don't, and I'm not saying that anybody's unintelligent, but if you don't do that kind of work, if you're not in that world, what does that really mean? So did people see when they saw that there was a meeting on rezoning, did they understand that that meant that we were going to talk about revitalizing Coral Gables writ large, Miracle Mile? No, I didn't. And I know a lot of people didn't. And you can see that. And so when electeds keep telling, well, it was it was sufficiently legally noticed. OK, but people didn't understand. And so why didn't you go out of your way to make sure that the public understood, particularly when the public started speaking out? Mm -hmm. um, so, again, this antagonism towards the public, towards the residents, we are the customers. We are the clients. They like work them for against us. us. Yes, seriously. <laughs> and so. You know, the way I see it is there's a fiduciary obligation that these individuals have. And one of them, the basic one, is just to listen. Okay. No one asked you to do the job. No one's asking me to run for office. I'm doing it because I want to serve and I believe I can offer something. But if I'm not willing to listen to the residents, then I shouldn't be doing the job. I agree. So, so one, I asked you earlier um, why you thought the electeds are not listening. And I think a lot of it has to do with the public they just they're too busy in their lives and they just don't come out enough to vote and hold their electeds accountable and and a lot of electeds don't feel like they're accountable to the, to the public they tell you otherwise but they don't feel that way no 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 they'll say something in a stump speech you know mm -hmm. but no so so I, i'm i like what i'm hearing because you know you're bringing a breath of fresh air to the, to this environment um, and if anybody's involved in politics in, in South Florida, you know that there's a lot of hot air in South Florida. Well, everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but um, let's talk about, uh, you're an attorney. What, yes. kind of, what kind of law do you practice? Complex commercial litigation, white collar crime, and international arbitration. Wow. Yeah, all very different. Can you simplify that? <laughs> <laughs> and, and do you lobby? 
No. So you haven't lobbied the city? No, no. So you no, got no. that out of the way? No, nor will I. Nor will I, nor will I. Nor will good, I. I'm not good, interested good. in lobbying. Listen, I tried it once in my life, very in a very limited capacity, not in Coral Gables oh. in the city of Miami. And uh, I will tell you, it's not for me. Well, there's places for, for lobbies. I mean, there are good lobbyists. And my, they're, no, they're... my husband does it, but no. And by the way, he would not lobby the city of Coral Gables either. Good, good, to be good. Crystal clear. I'm glad you got that out because a lot of people will ask. And mm -hmm. and in this, and it's arena, a fair question. And it's a fair question. So it's about accountability. Yeah, right? absolutely. So so, um, but we we know that Miami, right? There's just a big move. Francis Suarez, who still was still trying to work out him coming on the show mm -hmm. to talk about his call for tech. Uh, there, there, there's, there's a huge uh, beyond tech. There's a huge need for Miami's economy to diversify. Itself, yes. To reduce its dependence on tourism. Look, to that point, I lived in Hawaii for ten years, mm -hmm. and I saw what relying on tourism alone will do to you. Um, when we had the recession here in the '90s, and the mainland came out of it, Hawaii was still in a recession. Why? Because its economy was tied to the Japanese economy. At that point, the the yen tanks, and so the hardcore, very wealthy Japanese start coming into Hawaii. And so we were in the midst of a recession, I think, the entire time that I was there. And so you have to diversify. I'm not saying leave the tourism out. It's an important component. No. But we have to be thoughtful and we have to look at other industries because when tourism takes a tank, then what are you going to do? And it, so how, that's why it comes to my next question is how do we get Coral Gables to benefit in this change? Um, reduction dependence on, on tourism, but also create business growth and job sector growth. Absolutely. And Any right, thoughts on that for the city of Coral Gables? Any plans? Well, right now I like the tech idea and I know that's something that my father-in-law had started a while mm -hmm. ago and he was trying to bring them. But having talked to a number of, of people in the actual tech world, what they've told me is you have a number of startups that come over here, but the real money isn't coming in and the real development still isn't here. And so we have to bring in incentives, um, but they actually have to bring in jobs. They actually have to you know, create a revenue base here. Any thoughts on why they're not coming? You say incentives, but, but listen. I think the political landscape term. here has been a little bit um, complicated. I know a lot of businesses that try to come in, and then they spend years, years trying to get anything done and anything accomplished, and uh, and they'll tell me they're like, "Listen, I haven't had this problem in any other state. This is the only place where I even have to hire lobbyists in mm -hmm. order to get through." And so, there's a lot of. I mean, think of how many projects um, throughout Miami-Dade County have been discussed and planned for more than a decade and we're still having debates over them and nothing's gotten done. Well, film industry is a one example, right? There's tons of industries. And so when, if you're a person that from the outside, that's mm -hmm. looking to invest in Miami-Dade County, is it a good landscape? Is there stability? And so we have to have a stable economic and political environment in order to attract new businesses. And part of that starts with our elected officials. We need to have elected officials who are honest with them who are not on the take and who want what's best for the residents and not just bring in some um, some industry because it helps my campaign, but something that's actually going to help the community. Mm -hmm. And that deal should be done with community input. So are you willing to work on something like that? Of course. Yeah. Listen, Good. we have to be right now. We have to be bold. A lot of things have changed because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Retail was already dying. OK, so when you had malls shutting down because of the, the advent of Amazon and now with COVID, it made it even bigger. Yeah. We have to rethink everything. Restaurants, these small restaurants, um, are you going to be able to fill them to capacity? 
Maybe one day we can, but right now we can. Look at the issues that we're having with the vaccine. Supposedly we had this stockpile of vaccines for the country. Now we're finding out that maybe that's not so. No, so, definitely not so. So so what's going to happen? Everybody thought maybe by June we'd be okay. Are we? We're, they're talking about uh, a mutation of the virus that they've already found in Brazil. I think someone told me that they've already found two cases in Florida, but definitely in the UK. Will the virus, I'm sorry, will the vaccine work on that mutated form of the virus? There's too many things, unknown variables, as we continue this year and the following, that we have to be thoughtful and we have to have a plan in place that takes in to, into account these unknown variables. Absolutely. So, so that's why, look, I'm going to say something. We have some shitty people in office, <laughs> okay? Um, Can't say but, I disagree. <laughs> but, but. I think what what makes them bad is the fact that you know they run for office. They they raise a lot of money. Some in some cases, some of them come from an incredible financial background, incredible circle. Doesn't necessarily translate into somebody that's going to do well in that position, right? So so to hear you say that you you know you want to listen and you want to you want to basically be accountable to the, to, the, to the constituents is definitely a fresh air, uh, breath of fresh air. But Listen, I, I, I expect them to hold me accountable in the same way that I would hold myself accountable, okay? And so if I'm wrong, say it. And I'm the type of person that will listen. And if I'm making a mistake, hey, I will concede that I was wrong. Now, if I'm not, of course, I'm going to fight tooth and nail. But I want to hear what the public wants and what they're feeling. And I'm telling you, they're upset and they have a lot of opinions. And, and, and what people don't understand, this is a body of government. You're one of how many? Of five. Okay, so you get elected, you're one of five. So it's four commissioners with the mayor. Okay, and the mayor just... Uh, he presides. Presides, okay, and probably cast a final vote, a tiebreaker, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so so having said that, you're, people need to understand that you're one of five. So your negotiating skills are really going to be critical here. Mm -hmm. And But and, by the way, the more you bring the public in, right, then the more I can negotiate. Absolutely. Because right now, the people are there. And so one thing, if, if I'm negotiating in a dark room in the back and nobody knows what's going on, but if the people know what's going on, then that changes the dynamic. Well, looking at your last couple minutes here, but looking at your um, financial report, mm -hmm. I see that you started out the month very, very strong. What is it, 35? 30, I think it was 30. 38.5? 38.5, something like so that, that's yeah. that's good. And then you're in a race with how many people? Seven. Seven? Seven, yeah. Are you the person to beat? I think so. <laughs> we'll tell them. <laughs> I believe so. <laughs> so um, what's your pathway to victory? It's, it's, it's about unifying the public. It's about making this something that's bigger than just any one of us. It's about the community. That's my pathway to victory. It's going out there and talking to every single person that I can talk to. And listen, I have people that call me and want to debate national politics. You want to call me and debate national politics? I will. I'm open because I think that right now we need to have all of these discussions and we need to put them on the table and then move past them and start working together. But I'm open. So people have been calling me, emailing me. Please, I love it. I love talking to the people, even when they're debates. And by the way, in the end, the debates wind up wonderfully because, because we wind up understanding each other. We agree to disagree on certain points, but they see that I really believe and I'm in this for the right reasons. And that's something that they can tell. And that's the beauty of our democratic system, right? Yes, we that can. We don't have to agree. Absolutely. Throw people from all walks of life into the pot 
and and we learn something if we really listen to each other again i may not agree with every single mm -hmm. point that you make but you may allow me to think of it in a different way and see a perspective that i never would have thought of and so that way that is how our democracy grows but being in silos as we are right now is is tearing the country apart and so my message beyond all of these specific issues is one of unification we need to come together and we need to be civil and respect each other as as residents but mm -hmm. our electeds to us and us to our electeds absolutely so i remember george h bush when he became president, he said something that stuck with me. And then and then President Obama repeated it to me in person. Um, and that said, all politics are local. Folks, you must get involved in your local politics. You must look at your candidates um, and elect those that most represent you and those that want to listen to you. Because, as I said, as they said, all politics are local. And you will define probably most of what people's day-to-day lives entail. No, abs I'm, absolutely. I'm and I was one of those people that never really focused on local politics. I was more interested in national politics. And yes, I would hear all politics is local, Tip O'Neill, yes, over and over again. But it's not really until I started diving into the issues that I realized, yes, it's true. And if we're not paying attention to what's happening at home, who cares what's happening out there? Because whether it's uh, whether you're pro-choice mm -hmm. or, or pro-life, that really does not impact whether your garbage is being picked up. Okay, mm -hmm. that does not impact whether uh, somebody is going to respond to a call, if you're being uh, hurt, if you're being attacked, if your house is burning down, that's what matters. Yeah. And so if we don't have people that are listening and that are focused on those daily issues, then what happens up there really means nothing. So let me bring you to one last point. Mm -hmm. People often forget the city employees, right? Yes. Forget about the city, the human infrastructure of government. What do you have to say to them as their future councilwoman? as the person who's going to be presiding over the budget, a person who's going to be presiding over their benefits, their contractual issues, what do you say to them? I say that I'm the kind of person that believes in teamwork, and I think that all of us need to band together to work to find solutions. Um, I know that they've been doing an amazing job. I've heard from a number of residents, but right now we have a number of issues that we're facing, and I think that we all have to huddle together, assuming I'm part of the team, God willing, um, and work together to execute a vision that is um, in the benefit of everyone. Outstanding. So the last minute. Why don't you tell them where they can get a hold of you, if they need to get a hold of you, how can they find out more about you, and when, most importantly, when is the election? The election is April 13th. There's seven of us, so it's definitely going to go into a runoff. The um, the first two top vote getters will go to the runoff, so it's April 13th. Second round is April 27th. You can get more information about me on my website, TaniaCruzJimenez.com, and Tanya spelled with an I. And um, what was the other question? Oh. You can also call me if you'd like to call me. My phone number is 786-325-5956. That's my personal cell. Shoot me a text and I'll get back to you. And you can reach me my email as well, tanya at eclipsecg, as in coralgables.com. Outstanding. And for those of you that are running for this seat, as well as any other seat, you're welcome to contact us uh, here at Community News. Contact Tommy uh, from, from uh, the production team or Michael Grant Miller. But let them know that you want your voice to be heard. I thank you so much for coming out and thank putting you, yourself out there. Appreciate and it. And speaking to the public. So have a great day, all. Wonderful day.